0: Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today.
1: Reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James and led them up a high mountain by themselves there he was transfigured before them his face showed like the Sun and his clothes became as white as a light just then there appeared before him Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus Peter said to Jesus Lord it is good for us to be here if you wish I will put up three tents, shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a the voice of the cloud said, this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen, until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: Would you pray with me? O Lord, the heavens ring with your praises. O Lord, the sanctuary echoes with your love. O Lord, your words speak to our hearts. And so while we are here, O Lord, on this holy ground, let those words that speak to us, those praises that echo in our souls, let all that reverberates throughout our very being, let it transform us so we would leave this place not just as hearers of your word but as doers of your word. In your holy name we pray, amen. So I have at different points in my life been a reality TV show junkie. I'll admit this. Uh, I went through a period where I was really intrigued by all of those home reno, home flipping shows. You know the ones I'm talking about, right? You know the ones where you know, there's some decrepit 1940s house with... You know it's got all the wrong stuff in the kitchen like the avocado green dishwasher with the yellow gold refrigerator and all those sorts of things it's got you know mirrors all around the dining room and orange shag carpet and then you open the door of the bathroom and everybody goes
1: because
0: oh, it's got you know a solid black clawfoot tub that's about four feet long useless for everyone And the family is just describing to whoever's running the show how much they have dreams that this could be their forever home that they would live in for the rest of their lives and whatnot. And so they say, we've got a plan. And over the next, you know, several 30 minutes or so, but stretching out over what is supposedly four to six weeks, have you ever seen a four to six weeks home, Remo? I mean, really? Four to six weeks. But anyway, so nonetheless, they do this and all of a sudden they bring them back and it's sort of this sketchy thing where there's a van that pulls up and the homeowners come out blindfolded. Now, why nobody calls the cops, I don't know. But there's this gigantic screen across the front of the house. And what we've been watching the whole time is they've just gutted everything back to the studs. There's been crying and fretting over the budget and the tears, the air conditioning unit, the landscaping, whatnot. And all of a sudden when they pull it back, it's magnificent. I mean the family has tears on their face, they're bouncing and they're crying, they're clapping and they're hugging and they're all over the stars and everybody's having fun and then you go inside, right? And inside it's beautiful. I mean whatever the color of the season is, whether it's the neutral grays or it's the warm greens or whatever, it's painted that way and it's got the right flooring whether it's hardwood or tile, it's got granite countertops, the bathrooms have all kinds of light and oil, rub bronze fixtures, you know what I'm talking about. And then you look around and it's perfectly staged. I mean, nothing is out of place. of like how your house or my house looks two minutes before a company arrives from out of town and you know what happens three minutes after they arrive, it looks like a bomb went off. I really, you know, after this show is over and everybody's laughing, you know, and they're running the credits, I kind of wish that there would be one more episode where they would come back to this house six months later and figure out what did the big reveal do for these people? Were they still living in this house so perfectly appointed or were they really living in this house like we know they live? What kind of a difference did this transformation make in their lives and in the way they approached their home and how they approached themselves and their family? This idea of transformation sort of hovers along with us as we look at the text today. It's the transfiguration of Christ. You know, we're right here liturgically. We're at the end of the epiphany season. Lent is knocking on the door with Ash Wednesday this week. And so what we're reminded with this transfiguration is the connection that Jesus' ministry brings to what God has been doing in the lives of the Israelites all along. Jesus goes up to the mountaintop much in the same way that Moses did. But yet this experience is a little bit different. Much in the way that Moses was shown the full glory of God, when Jesus takes a couple of the disciples up there, they see the full glory of Jesus. They see Moses and Elijah and they realize immediately that they are standing on holy ground. And if that's not enough, as God's glory shines right around Jesus and his clothes become brilliant white, more brilliant than 2,000 gallons of bleach and OxyClean will do in your laundry. I mean, it's blinding bright. And they realize that Jesus is truly the Son of God, fully human, but more importantly, fully divine. And if that wasn't enough, in all of all of this, God speaks to them and says, this is my beloved Son, Listen to him. And so they have in this moment, they are just caught up, those disciples in all of this. And they are in awe of everything that they see. And so this transfiguration story is this theological moment where you and I too are caught up in the understanding the full divine nature of Christ and what God is calling and what difference God can make in the world. And so in this moment, We are caught up in the awe of God. We are caught up in the command to listen. And we are caught up in the encouragement to go and to serve and bear witness. See, that's what happened to the disciples, but that is what happens to us as we read it, as we really let those words marinate in our souls, that we are caught up in all of that, the awe, the command to listen, and the one to go forth and serve. As Matthew tells the story in verse 6, he says that as being confronted by God, that the disciples fell on their face in that sense of awe. Not about you, but every once in a while, I sort of let my mind wander to really sort of ponder how big and how magnificent God is. I sort of get lost in that wandering sometimes. Now, this lostness that I have is not you know, mindless lostness, like if I was following TikTok videos or Facebook videos or YouTube, where you just sort of watch one after the other, after the other, and the next thing you know, two hours of life have gone by and you have nothing to show for it. No, this pondering and wandering with God I have is the thing like the on a mission trip where I was sitting there in the backyard of the church where we were working on in Jamaica. It was at night, and the great thing about where we were is we were out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we were far away from the beaches, far away from all the cool things you hear about in the travel guides. And so when we looked up, there was no light pollution. And I saw stars upon stars. I saw stars that I have never seen because of what light pollution we have around us. And it was in that moment as I looked up at all those stars, I began to realize those are the same stars that God showed Abraham and said, you will have descendants more than these. They are almost all the same stars, save one. All the same stars, but one that the shepherds saw in Bethlehem on the night they were told this great thing that had happened to them. At that moment in time, as I looked up, I realized they were the same stars that my family could look out their back door up here in North Carolina and they could see, or the fraternity brothers of mine that were overseas in the Middle East, that they could look up and see. And in that moment in time, I realized how small I as an individual was. But in the vastness of what God had laid out for us, how we were all connected to this divine story and then how God was God of us all through the ages and across the time zones and the miles. Or maybe if I sat up on a mountaintop and looked out over the ranges and realized and saw all the intricate folds, the saddles and the hills and the valleys, the individual trees, and if you ever try to paint one of those pictures, you'll never paint it just crisp enough to catch it all. But it's in that moment that I realize that God is still creating all around us just like God is still working on you and me The all of that just sort of gets me caught up and just makes me realize how wonderful we are to be called God's children and how wonderful it is to be a part of the greater creation story but I think in all of the story of even just the history of this church how after years of trying to figure out what was the right thing to do to merge congregations, to build a new sanctuary, to build a new chapter in the life of our church, that they had put everything in place, they decided on the plans, had signed the contract, were breaking ground, and the stock market crashed. Now, you know, anything about that says, the whole world is screaming, don't do this. You can't afford it. Don't do this. This is not possible. Don't do this. Just take a breath. It'll be okay. And maybe in a few years. But somehow or other, the leaders of our church at the time caught up in the awe of God that pushed them forward, said, you can do this. And they said, we will do this. And so look around. Look around. We have inherited that grace, that creation that God poured in their heart that said, lay this 90 years later, this is still here for us. And the awe of that story propels us forward. So with an eye on the awe of the holy, recognizing that we are standing on holy ground, literally and figuratively, we are here. I guess the question we have to ask ourselves are are our dreams big enough? Do we trust enough to be caught up by the awe of God to dream the biggest of dreams, to be propelled forward? Is our faith strong enough to go even beyond where we say, I can't do it, but yet God says, I've got this. See, I believe that God is big enough. When we look at the stars in heaven, that we realize that we may be this small, but God is this big, and God says, we can do this. We can dream big dreams because God is behind us and because we stand here on holy ground. But just as the disciples realized the awe of everything surrounding them, they heard, they heard God speak. They heard God say to them, this is my son with whom I am pleased, whom I love very much. And I love these words, listen to him. It's in that moment that we have no doubt who Jesus is, but more importantly, what we are to do. And so if there's no doubt that we are to listen then let's make no mistake about it that when we listen, when we listen with our whole heart that our lives will be changed. That That listening to God changes who we are and changes our lives. There's nothing, I mean, we can't go back. That's true. I mean, we're listening, it illuminates our calling. Ask the disciples, ask the apostles, ask anyone who's ever answered God's call to Christian service or ministry. It changes your life. But even more so, ask each other. Ask each other when God has spoken to you and you have answered the call, whether it's to lead a ministry or to teach a Bible study or a Sunday school class or to help as a mentor in our confirmation program, it changes your life too. See, when we listen, it changes us. Listening to God makes clear the changes that we must have. It gives us life lessons of things that we are to follow and to do. Jesus said, let the children come to me. And that's our watchwords that not only are we to welcome the children little and small, but also God's children big and wise. To welcome each other into the conversation. When he says, pray like this, we are to pray not just the Lord's Prayer from rote memory, but to pray it with a depth of our heart that we understand exactly what we are asking what we are praying for, what we are asking God to do in our lives. When we come to the table and we hear, do this in remembrance of me, that as we gather and we receive the cup and the bread, we are receiving the meal of the kingdom that unites us all together all across the world. Listening reminds us that we are loved It reminds us that way when we think of the Beatitudes in Matthew, where he says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the righteous, blessed are you with this, blessed are you with that." We keep hearing the words "blessed" over and over again. Somewhere in that litany, we fall at least in one, if not more, of those blessings. We realize that we are loved at that moment, or when he's on the cross and he looks up to heaven and he says, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what we do." We are forgiven. We are forgiven by his blood. See, those are the lessons we learn. But listening is not easy for us, is it? Not easy in a world that is busy, a world that is noisy. For us to truly listen, we've got to make ourselves available. We've got to make our attitude available to it where we are open and willing to hear God speak to us. And then in that moment of prayer and quiet that moment of focus where our mind wanders and we begin to see the awe of God around us and we begin to listen fervently with our hearts, we've got to do prayerful pondering to understand what God is saying to us. If you're having trouble with that or you, wanna, you think you've got a bead on it and you want to go deeper with it, I'll tell you, we've got a great opportunity somewhere in our bulletin. Uh, there's a, there is some information about this, but Duke and Vicki Eisen, y'all are still teaching this, Right? perfect they're teaching a class on holy listening it's a six-week study called exploring the way it's an introduction to the spiritual journey it's a way to go deeper with our faith a ways that we can listen and understand what God is calling us to do who God is calling us to be how to practice that spiritual journey See, my dream for the transformation of our lives is that we truly understand what's going on around us, that we're caught up in the awe of God, but that we open our hearts so that we listen to what Jesus is saying to us, so that we might obey and do those things. And then what the disciples heard when they were there on the Mount of Transfiguration, as they saw Christ in all of his glory, they heard God speak, go or listen to him, As they came down the mountain, Christ said, bear witness to what you have seen. See, I think if we can encapsulate the work of the church into very simple scriptures, there are really three that we should anchor our lives on. The first is the idea of the great commandment, you know, where Jesus was asked, what is the greatest one? And he says, what does the law say? And we all know it's love your God with all your heart, all your might, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then later he looked at the apostles and disciples and he said, you know, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in my name, the Great Commission. And then last week, what we heard in Matthew 25, do this unto these brothers of mine. When you do this unto them, you do this unto me. A call for us to go out into the world serving the least, the last, and the lost. See, when we live by Matthew 25 and the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, we are living and bearing witness to the love that God has for the world. And see, it's when we live this way that transformation comes, not only for us as individuals, not only for our church congregation, our community of faith, but for all of the world around us. In all the places that you and I go, in the schools, at work, in the community, in our clubs, in our city, where our vacation homes may be. See, when we live this way, we begin to be a part of that transformation. See, over the last few weeks, we've been talking in worship about hopes and dreams, about dreams and vision for our church, and what I believe that God is calling us to do and who God is calling us to be. And Imagine the transformation that happens on a personal and a church and a community level if we approach these dreams in awe of God. If we approach them listening clearly for what Jesus is saying to us. If we recognize that we are standing on holy ground and with a fervent desire in our hearts to go forth and to serve each other and our community. See, if we go forward to live lives that value humanity, that we grow deeper in our faith, that we have a heart that is changed by our worship, where we care and we comfort each other, carrying each other over the tough ways of life, where we seek to make a difference in the world around us. See, if we do all of those things with all of that, the outcome is better than any great reveal that a reality TV show can provide for us. That when the screen is pulled back, the world sees that there is a massive difference in who we are both as individuals, but as a congregation as well, and that it has made all the difference for us and that we are making a difference in the world. The big reveal shows that our lives burn white hot for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That they burn white hot in awe and listening. They burn white hot in wanting to change and bear witness to the love that God has for you for me, and for each person across the globe. So what I hope is I hope that as the transfiguration of Christ affected those disciples, that it changed their lives, that we too find ourselves changed, and that we go forth with listening ears, caught up in the awe of standing on holy ground, going to bear witness to our faith, to everyone that we meet. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.